0: Welcome to the Lady Preacher podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, my friend. Welcome. Welcome. As always, I am so, so thankful that you are here. Today, we are continuing on in our Sermon on the Mount series. This is number four. And we are looking at Matthew chapter five, verses 33 through 48. If you have been following along, you know I have been encouraging you to connect with me on social media. I hope you find me on Instagram or on Facebook. Let me know you're listening to the podcast. I love to hear from you. I love to hear what you're learning from these things, what you're thinking about, what your questions are. Please, please, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. All right, let's dive in. Again, we are looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 48. And I invite you to find yourself in a posture of listening, whatever that means for you. Take a deep breath and listen to these words from Jesus. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, Do not swear at all either by heaven for it is the throne of God or by the earth for it is God's footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great King. And do not swear by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your God in heaven. For God makes God's sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly God is perfect. Here ends our reading. Let's pray. Gracious and loving creator, we lift our hearts to you this day. We lay our burdens down before you and ask that you carry them for us. God, I pray that your love may be present in the hearts of all those who are listening and all those around the world. May we be filled with your Holy Spirit and help us, oh God, as we strive to be like you. As we strive to live into who we are created in your image as the hands and the feet and the heart of Christ. God, I pray for each person listening today that they may know your love and your hope. Open our hearts and open our minds and fill our well today. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. My friends, as we talked about last week, Jesus is continuing to build on the Torah, on the commandments found in our Hebrew scriptures And so for me, what I see here is, you know, Jesus is again back to building these fences or building these buffer zones, as we called them last week, around these commandments. And the ones that we read today, for me, center around integrity. The first few verses here are about not swearing falsely and carrying out the vows that we make, not only to God, but to to others. And that's an integrity piece for me. But there's some grace here, too. I think a lot of us hear we hear a lot of law in these scriptures that it's all about kind of telling us what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? But I think there's some grace in here, too. When Jesus says, don't even swear at all, just say yes or no. Or when Jesus says, do not swear by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. That for me is a reminder that there are a lot of (laughs) a lot of things that we cannot control in our lives, right? Sometimes life happens and things get in the way and that's absolutely okay. When Jesus says, do not swear at all, maybe that gives us space for grace, for knowing that we will miss the mark, that we won't always fulfill our vows and our promises. And God knows that, but God also knows our hearts. God knows our intentions. And so maybe These verses are permission from Christ to give ourselves grace, to give ourselves room for understanding that life happens, that we cannot control all of our circumstances. And that's okay, that it is okay, that God understands, that people will understand. And so perhaps maybe it's about just being honest and being okay with that. And again, extending ourselves and others the same grace that God extends to us. And then we get into the section about eye for an eye and turning the other cheek and offering our other coat and going a second mile. And what Jesus is doing here is, again, creating that buffer area. And for me, what he's doing is he's he's building a fence around violence that he's trying to help us understand how to respond to actions of injustice So then we get to this section about eye for an eye and turning the other cheek and offering our other coat and going a second mile. And what Jesus is doing here is, again, setting a boundary for us or creating a fence and helping us really understand how we respond to actions of violence and injustice. The first thing, though, that I want to point out is Jesus references where it says in the Old Testament or in the Hebrew scriptures, eye for an eye. A lot of Jewish scholars will be quick to point out that there is no evidence in the writings of first century Jewish history or before that, that eye for an eye was actually carried out. That in actuality, eye for an eye was not a thing. A lot of times there was financial retribution. It wasn't that someone plucked an eye out. And so we were going to go pluck that person's eye out. There's no evidence that this was an actual thing. And same thing with the death penalty, like where scripture talks about so-and-so will be stoned for doing this or that. Oftentimes that was not actually carried out in ancient Judaism. There There are several buffers that Judaism created around the death penalty to make it so that that actually rarely, rarely happened. And so what Jesus is up to here is not saying eye for an eye is bad, or well, maybe he is, but what he's up to is talking about how do we not escalate these tense situations How do we respond to an act of injustice? How do we respond when someone more powerful than us demands that we give them our coat? How do we respond when someone more powerful than us slaps us? How do we respond in these moments? Because we have to remember who Jesus is. Jesus is a brown-skinned man who is a part of an oppressed people, an occupied people. They are living under Roman occupation. And we have to remember his social location, his actual environment that he's living in and preaching in. He's talking to his fellow Jewish people who are living under occupation about how do we respond to these acts of oppression and injustice. So when someone backhand slaps you, that is an act, not only of trying to hurt you physically, but likely to make you feel internal shame. It's meant to dehumanize you belittle you. And the practice of nonviolent resistance to oppressive systems is our example of how to embody what Jesus is speaking about here because he created, or I don't know if he created this model, but that's what he's speaking about here is this model of nonviolent resistance to oppressive systems. When someone is slapped, you escalate the violence by slapping the person back. Or another response is to cower. But what we see in nonviolent resistance is a third way of responding. And that is to turn the other cheek. It's a way of claiming your integrity and making clear to anyone who is watching the perpetrator act out with this violence or oppression, making clear to anyone who's watching who the perpetrator is. So think about the way that Witnessing the violence at Edmund Pettus Bridge during the civil rights movement changed America. And granted, I want to just point that there's a lot of change that still needs to happen. But when folks who had been complacent saw the way that black folks marched in the face of violence, they didn't cower and they didn't escalate the violence. They responded By turning the other cheek, they stood in their integrity and made it clear, absolutely clear who the perpetrator of violence and oppression was, and in many cases still is. And what happened in that moment is it created a wave of desire for change. And the other scenarios that Jesus is speaking of here, like when someone forces you to go a mile, this was in reference to a Roman soldier forcing you to carry something heavy for a mile. A great reference to this in scripture is Simon, who has to carry Jesus's cross for him. A Roman centurion stops and says, you carry this cross. And so he has to carry the cross. It was a tool of oppressors to do this to you. It was a tool of an oppressor to demand having your cloak and to refuse that would get you into trouble. And to simply comply would probably feel humiliating, but to say, I'm going to go this mile and then I will decide to go one more mile. Doing that for them was to take their integrity back into their own hands, to refuse to be belittled or treated as less than human and make clear who the perpetrator is, who the person who should be humiliated is. I had a professor in undergrad who spoke about it as laying the humiliation back on the other person, turning the other cheek, going the second mile, or giving your second cloak, which literally would mean you're standing there bare naked, it allows you to stand in your own integrity because now you are acting on your own volition and puts the humiliation back onto the other person who enacted this injustice. It makes it clear who the perpetrator is. What Jesus is doing here is essentially offering us a guidebook on how to handle oppressive and unjust systems. As I said before, we often forget Jesus' social location. We often forget that he was a brown skinned man belonging to an occupied and oppressed people. He did not come to overthrow Rome with violence, he came to stand in his integrity and to offer good news by saying to folks, there is a third way. You do not have to be humiliated, nor do you have to fight back with violence. There is this third way. The third way that Jesus shows us is the way of the cross. Jesus is killed at the hands of the Roman empire. I wanna be clear about that. Jesus is killed at the hands of the Roman empire. And yet he still says in that moment, forgive them for they know not what they do. He claims his death for himself, saying this is for my purpose. To make clear who the perpetrator of violence and oppression is. And then proclaim who has the true power. The true power does not belong to the oppressor. The true power belongs to God who redeems who sustains the true power belongs to God who claims this death and then rises again to say violence and death are not the end of the story. Hope and resurrection and new life are the end of the story. And all of that then brings us to the very end, which says, love thy enemy. And we talked last week about building fences around Torah and even earlier in this episode. And one particular commandment, again, to lift up is going from do not murder to do not be angry. And that can help us understand this love thy enemy. And again, Jesus says this and embodies this on the cross when he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. He literally prays for the people persecuting him. And it helps me when I think about these commandments in terms of steps. So if we are trying to avoid murder, this is the thing we're building the fence around or the buffer zone. If we're trying to avoid murder, taking a few steps back from that might be, do not be violent. And a few steps back from that would be, do not think violent thoughts. And a few steps back from that is, do not get angry. And a few steps back from that might be, love my neighbor. And a few steps beyond that is love thy enemy. We are creating the biggest buffer zone here. And what this means when Jesus says love thy enemy is that there is no one who does not belong at God's table. No one is excluded, not even your enemy. It means praying for the rival team on Super Bowl Sunday. It means honoring the fact that we are all made in God's image, that there is not one person on this planet who is not made in God's image. You are made in God's image, and I am made in God's image. And so is anyone who we might proclaim is our enemy. They too bear God's image in this world. And man, that is hard. It is so hard. So much of what Jesus is trying to do here is help us live in community and create a world that reflects who we are as being made in God's image. It's about creating a world where the kingdom of God is here and now, is both coming and right now. What Jesus is doing is not trying to help us score points so that we can get into heaven. He is trying to help us live into what it means to be heaven here right now, to build brick by brick the kingdom of God, where there is no oppression, where there is justice and equity and inclusion, where every single person is welcome at God's table. This is what Jesus is doing. This is the good news of these commandments that sometimes feel like law, but they are so full of grace because they tell us again and again and again, you are made in God's image and they are made in God's image and all are welcome here. When we say the Lord's prayer, we pray these words, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And by living out these commandments that Christ gives us, we get to partake in that creation with God of God's kingdom come and God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And what a privilege it is to be a part of that amazing grace in this world. Thank you for joining this week, my friends. God be with you always. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.